Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone, hope you're keeping really well. Thanks for tuning in today and really excited to share with you this week's guest mentor, Aidana Zakubekova, who's currently CFO at Board of Innovation and got to have a fantastic chat with Aidana on a varied conversation. We did delve into a few key areas, the first of which is making the most out of the roles that we're perhaps not enjoying as much. I know for a lot of us starting out in accounting and finance, it could seem like there's a lot of routine and structure, maybe even boring after a while. But a few years or even a decade down the line, it's those sort of experiences that we tend to come back to that really helps improve our operational understanding. And Idana touches on that. And then we started going into some of the early decisions she made as a startup CFO moving from a corporate role into being the person in charge of the finance organization in a more entrepreneurial environment and some of the things she did there. We also have Idan explain to us this idea of the summer office, what it is, and why you can't manufacture such an experience of having a summer office online is something you have to do in person. And finally, as a parting thought, we spend a bit of time going through the importance of asking the question of how can I help? Now, we also delve into a few other areas as well. If you'd like to Go into that more by checking out the detailed timestamp show notes, transcripts, links to the key resources mentioned, how to connect with Idana, as well as review other shows and Monday memos. You can find that more at sitnshow.com. And once again, thanks again for tuning in today. So that's enough for me for now. So without further ado, over to Idana and the show. So Idana, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. Hey, our pleasure and we've had a chance to catch up previously and talk all things finance but before we go into all of that would you mind maybe sharing with our audience a brief story about your career journey yeah sure so i studied finance for both my bachelor's and my master's i think the, the bachelor's was more of a general program whereas the master's went more into the direction of investment banking and as for my career, I was actually lucky. I had a chance to work in various financial departments, credit, accounting, FBNA, <laughs> then moved to financial <laughs> controllership uh, to a startup and then moved into a VP in that same startup. And now I'm a CFO. So I covered a lot of industries as well. I covered tech. Currently, I'm in professional services. I did retail. I did heavy industries. So there's been quite a variety that I managed to cover. And I suppose I was wondering, with that in your mind, looking back on it, was that variety deliberately done? Or is it just something you, you gathered along the way and have benefited from? No, listen, some of it was very deliberate, to be honest, especially the later career moves. <laughs> the earlier ones, not so much, but... I don't regret any of them, to be fair. Like the first job that I had was a traineeship for a year in credit risk. Yeah. And that was 
obviously exactly when the <laughs> credit crash happened. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can. <laughs> you can't really be deliberate about the timing of those things unless you knew something the rest of us didn't. No, but it seems to be the topic of my career anyway in life. Yeah. I somehow end up in a situation that is not as straightforward as, as it normally would be for other people. But I kind of appreciate that though. I did that traineeship, then I went back to school and then to master's. And then I ended up in accounting, which to be frank with you, was not a deliberate choice. But I graduated my master straight after the crisis hit. So the choices were not as fast and not as readily available. Was I happy with the job at that time? Not so much. I imagined myself somewhere else. Did I benefit from it? Greatly. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Looking back at it, I was like, this was really a good experience. And it really informed a lot of my operational skills when it comes to accounting and FP&A moving forward so i'm forever grateful for the time isn't that isn't that really interesting observation but you maybe if i was to summarize you probably took on a role that you and maybe class is your ideal one got yeah. into it and by the sounds of it made the most of it either at the time or in retrospect built good foundations it's funny how some of those things can turn out for us sometimes Oh, yeah, you know, I was thinking about it quite quite a lot recently, not that specific job, but a lot of aspects throughout my career that I was not very thrilled about. <laughs> As we say, chalk it down. It yeah. of, okay, we have to do this now. Bits and pieces of those jobs and those responsibilities come back later in your career and you're like, oh, I actually know this already. <laughs> because weird, I've yeah. done X, Y, and Z and it makes my life right now in certain aspects a lot easier yeah i'm always worried with uh, advice when people say how can i craft a better job for myself that i'm interested and motivated by and i'm like so in, in finance there's a lot of stuff you end up doing that you're not exactly if someone told you what you're going to get involved in you're probably going to say no thanks i hate erp implementations but i have to say I've been through a couple and it's just the late nights and something will go wrong that no one could have predicted or whatever. And it's just it's really great foundations when you're in those senior finance roles then. And it's just like you have, you know what people are going through, you know some of the risks. It's easier to relate to what's going on, I find. And I would have not chosen those experiences. So yes, it's great to craft the ideal rose-tinted glasses career in accounting and finance and FPA and all the other cool areas you can work in finance. But we, we should never overlook the value of those ones we wouldn't have actively chosen. Yeah, I think if any of the listeners are right now in a position when they don't enjoy all their responsibilities, <laughs> just try to think of them as not that specific responsibility, maybe, but the skill set you're developing and where it can be used later on. Yeah. Maybe it's going to make it a bit easier for you. Yeah, it, you remind me of a story someone recounted to me about a prisoner of war. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that's how they got through the experience. And I'm not, yeah. It's thinking about emerging the other side much stronger and the stories you could tell on it and how you could help others learn as a leader. <laughs> I don't know, that's probably cutting at straws. No, appreciate you being open about that. And in terms of crafting your career then and learning on the areas that that you enjoyed the most what areas excite you most about finance in your current work at the moment listen i made a deliberate choice to switch to a startup scale-up scene back in 2018 and that was <laughs> the main purpose was i just wanted more because what i found generally in the larger organizations your role is somewhat limited 
or at least it was for me because I was still in, in an analyst position at that point in time. But even as a senior analyst, I could not dip my toe in as many things as I would want to. <laughs> and when I did, it sometimes annoyed people a little bit, like me sniffing around their business. Stepping on of. toes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, common. <laughs> it's common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what you I know what you mean. It's uh, uh, some of us find. But it's it's that interesting. It's like we're wanting to learn. And yet you feel like there's a, not animosity, but some sort of pushback on your learning and wanting to do the right thing by growing. Yeah, indeed. And it can be different things. Sometimes people are just busy to walk you through the thing. Yeah, let's do this next month or next week. And then it never happens. Some are a bit more defensive. or like, why are you asking? Is something wrong? Yeah. <laughs> you do find those situations. So for me, I decided to put myself in a bit more of a chaotic scenario where, yeah, I knew that I'm not going to know everything right away, but I was happy to figure things out and to build them from scratch or reshuffle them and reorganize them to make them work. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the very deliberate choices that I made in my career back in the day. Well, it's been four years crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what excites me currently because you never know what the business might need because it's usually a faster growing business. Right. So it keeps you on your toes a little bit in terms of like, you're never fully settled. Like you're settled for now, but you know that in, in a month it's going to be this and in two months it's going to be that. And next year it's going to be something else, which makes it interesting for me personally. I've got a, that's an inter- like I couldn't imagine an accountant saying that <laughs> I don't like it because I'm not settled. I could just imagine like that's all <laughs> stigma, right? If you know what your routine is, you go run it. You know what needs to be done. It's very cyclical. It works off a cycle, not much changes too much. There might be some new technologies come in and people come and go. But generally, it's just fairly smooth. And it's just, but it's interesting how you are drawn to that area where you're not as settled and you don't know what the business needs every day. So it's just an interesting mindset. Is is finance and accounting evolving or do we still have elements where it's smooth? Or is there a place for everyone in the modern finance team? There are certain aspects within it that just have to be in place, like the smoothness of accounting, so to speak. Like Mm -hmm. any business needs reporting. It needs to be timely. It needs to be accurate. You have to build your routine in a way that it's smooth enough to provide that clarity and that visibility. Like it's basic needs. You would be surprised when you come in and those needs are not met yet. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) yeah, we still see it. They just, they didn't have the time to address it. And that's where you use your previous skill set that you did not enjoy building. (laughs) I know. It's a bit ironic, really. (laughs) But it's a great skill. It's a great foundation. And I think all the other stuff being able to respond to business needs has to be built upon those foundations. I don't think without that clear, accurate, concise, governed, controlled uh, reporting and analysis, you you can't then step up into those sexier, more interesting areas, I think, anyway. No, you can't. That's just the basics. You can do all the advising and ideas and this and that and budgeting and whatnot. But if you don't have the foundations in place, it's a little bit difficult. So I think there is still a place for people who like their days a bit more structured, who like the flow, you know, who know what to expect. But that doesn't mean, at least for me, it didn't mean that you have to be in that role forever. I deliberately moved away from pure accounting roles. Because I needed more of a shuffle every now and then. For those in those sort of pure accounting roles, and I mean, maybe you maybe see this from your more elevated perspective nowadays in terms of building those stronger foundations. I think we've spoken previously, but in your mind, like how much of a role does technology have to play in in, in making that a bit more a stronger, more stable foundation, giving people more freedom if they want to be 
So let's settle. You can let it play as much for as, as little. <laughs> yes. Yeah, again, it comes out to choice. Yeah, free will. Yeah, and as we all know, Excel is still going to be there no matter the amount of t technology you have and <laughs> tools, AR tools, CRP tools. There is always that Excel sheet that exists that oh. <laughs> ties that all together. But I think there is quite a lot of development in technology, fintech, and ERP in general, which allows for some of the more, uh, may I, dare I call them boring tasks. <laughs> yes, it's a question of perspective. There's some people who say yeah. they're necessary and essential. Yeah, but yeah, but we, we, I think where we're coming from is they just have to be done. So there's no avoiding it. <laughs> yeah. Where I also come from, in a sense, is in a smaller, faster growing company, you don't usually have a lot of resources in terms of people. So you're trying to do the maximum with the somewhat limited resources that you have. So for me, if I have, let's say, a two people team, I would rather them not spend their whole days and weeks and months on just standard tasks. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's also a question of like how much time you can allocate to those tasks without losing the additional benefits of advisory and business analysis. Yes, yeah, so just yeah, because just on that one, because I can imagine, I suppose some of our audience could probably appreciate this and uh, better than others. Because in those startup environments, it is fairly rapid. Sometimes you don't know what the day is going to throw at you. Yeah, and it needs the team to be responsive. But there's the sort of the the standard stuff that does need to get done. Things need to be accounted for. Accounts need to be consolidated, reported on, and so on. But generally, you, you can get to them eventually. <laughs> so how do you, How? what was your biggest uh, challenge or maybe, uh, how do you say, success in your mind in adapting from that more corporate environment to the start where you are you are having to react and get the, instill that in the team, the ability to react, but also deliver on what needs to be done? That's a good one. We always hope we try and make it practical in the show so we can break it down for audience. What would be maybe some good first steps that you took that you found worked well? Maybe even things for us to avoid or definitely not do, you know? I think it, if I take my previous experience as an example, probably the best thing that I actually did is take away the accounting from the external firm that we had at the right. moment. Wow. I have to say it was not an extensive process in terms of the financials themselves, in terms of accounting for them it was relatively simple. Of course, there's always taxes and whatnot, but the basics of it, like the types of expenses were not that fast that you could, that you had to spend hours and hours searching for them. So the basics of it, the mappings of charts of accounts and just attributing expenses to proper categories and cleaning up the GL, I know it's very basic, but sometimes you open a GL for a very small company and you have accounts for things that you're like, there hasn't been a transaction on this account in oh, two years. Yeah, just why just am I looking? <laughs> yeah, oh, I, it's funny, but I'm glad you called it out because people don't think about these things, but yeah, just combine it, just consult it. There's no need for that granularity, which you sort of would have in a large organization because there's more volume of transactions. Yeah, I know, yeah, it seems obvious, but no, sometimes we need to state the obvious. For me, like that simplification and just attribution and building a bit of a process around that. And only then we actually implemented the proper AP tool. It was much later in the journey for like the final push to automation. Mm -hmm. But the first one was just that cleanup because I find a lot of the times, especially with smaller firms, you do have external accountants in place, yeah. but not all of them actually understand the business, so to speak. Yeah. So 
you have to either teach them and invest the time in making sure that that quality is maintained, or you can internalize it, at least parts of it, if you can't do everything at once. In my current job, I can't do it all at once because I have four entities, <laughs> three different regions. As ambitious as I am, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's a good question. Because like my gut feel is like, all right, I know the most efficient thing here to do is probably try and educate the external folks yeah. about what our business is and help understand it so they can be maybe a bit more proactive and come to us with stuff but part of me so actually what the right thing probably to do for the longer term is to try and internalize it as much and bring it in so we capture that knowledge and build it as a foundation and build from there and allows us probably more flexibility around automation and so on but like how do you how do you decide which is the right thing to do there <laughs> go go with the, bring it in they say internalize that understanding or spend the time educating them externally? I think it depends on, on, on several things. First of all, for me currently, just given the amount of geographies I need to cover, yeah, I would have to either do it step by step or significantly, significantly increase the, the number of employees that I have, which is not necessarily the purpose because yes, you will hire them, you will internalize the process, but it's not necessary that you would need all of them in six, nine, 12 months which I don't think is a good employment journey for somebody, unless they're a contractor that come in specifically yeah. for a purpose. That's a really good point, yeah. Secondly, just depends on the state of affairs. In terms of some external accounting firms are a lot better than some others. So if you have a good party and they're 60% there, it might be worthwhile just spending some time and getting them to 80, 90 and just keeping the controls on the rest. Yeah. So I think that also matters. And then also just a simple knowledge internally. Like I have to be frank, I don't have the knowledge on all the tactics and all the forms and all the documents across Americas and Singapore and then Europe. <laughs> That's I mean, like that is so diverse. I would let teams across those like you could ask for like more diverse content it's intercontinental. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's massive. <laughs> and then of course the last thing is also the scope of the team. The just simple, simply the internal needs. Yeah. Like for a startup, if you have your accounting done, let's say you're 80% happy with it and you can control 20% without spending all of your days and weeks on it. And there's a fundraising event that is upcoming. Well, do you want to internalize your accounting at this stage? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 the optimizer mindset. 20% for put the 20% of your time into the 80s. It's got 80% of the return and yeah, that's the rest you'll <laughs> actually it's one thing as I love what you're doing at the moment actually is I know we we talked about it previously, but it's this idea I'd never come across and I'm not trying to make our audience jealous, but this idea of a summer office. Okay, because I, I told you, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I was, I said I was a little bit jealous, I'm big jealous, but maybe can you describe that? Because in the startup, you, there might be more opportunities to do this, and maybe even some larger organizations, I think, obviously there's a point they grow to where it's a bit more difficult, but this idea of a summer office, would you mind maybe sharing that with our audience? Yeah, sure. So it all started with COVID. <laughs> One of the good things that came out of COVID is I think a lot more companies adopted the hybrid working policy or the remote working policy. In case for my employer board of innovation, they went on full remote. That kind of eliminated a lot of the hurdles in terms of retention, in terms of hiring. But what it also mm -hmm. did do is that you would work with people that you would not see in person for month and month on end. 
So it's a very good opportunity for everybody who can join to actually meet and spend some time together and go, yes, sure, have some business conversations, obviously, but also just interact and get to know each other on a bit of a more personal level. Because mm -hmm. no Slack conversation will cover the, the one on one coffee that you will have and that just chat about your experiences. So what the company does, it's the second year that implemented this is summer office. So last year, I believe it was in Italy. This year, we're going to Portugal. It's a four-day event, which is split again between more business workshops and just normal activities, volleyball tournaments, swimming, you name it. <laughs> that doesn't sound like work, <laughs> but, is this, but there's an important side to all of this, right? Yeah, so we're all going to Portugal for four days. And I believe, oh, I cannot even tell you the exact amount of people I would need to check, but uh, there are quite a lot of people coming from all of our regions, from Americas, from Singapore, from all over Europe and wherever people are currently residing since it's a remote first company. So I'm super excited. I'm flying in a bit earlier next week. I'm spending a week in Lisbon just working from there because I can and it's an awesome place to I know, be and I always it's... want to and then I'm super excited to meet my colleagues because I haven't seen, I would say, most of them ever in real yeah, life. Yeah, but that's a lot of people that share a similar experience with colleagues we haven't met yet. You know, yeah. um, it's the world we live in now. It's, But it's really great. I just love these novel ideas. So I'd love to hear how these things turn out and work. But no, I'm all for it. And I do think a lot of budgets for even like within the more... Uh, say more established organizations out there they were done away with during covid and whatever and it's actually those get-togethers where a lot of uh, relationships do get formed that are quite enduring because you've got those shared experience whether you're participating in some volleyball together or doing some quizzes or doing a tour of a city or having a dinner in a really nice restaurant together they're shared memories and that's a part of the shared culture and when things get really hard and they do in organizations that they're the sort of the things you pull on that you see you through as a team, as an organization. So that's why I'm really excited to hear how it goes, because it's, you don't really see that come through in the numbers. You might see the expenses come through and people might be worried about productivity, but I just think it's the value it creates longer term, a bit more tangible. Be curious to see how that works out. No, I'll let you know for sure. And to be completely frank here, like even when running the scenarios on the monthly forecasts and budgets and whatnot, we did run through a scenario that what if the revenue doesn't come through as much as we expected it to be? Do we cancel summer office? And the answer was always no. Look, I think, imagine, because everyone's excited by it. <laughs> so yeah, like, definitely. It's, like, there's no... <laughs> it's an opportunity that you can't manufacture that online. No. You just can't. I don't think so. I, yeah, I struggle. Like, in fairness, there's definitely been some advances in team building events online. I will definitely hold up there. People are getting much more creative. And yeah, Again, I just I get constantly amazed at the innovation we have in finance, particularly around those things. But yeah, I think nothing beats the person. The person. Now, Adana, look, you've been giving us great advice, but I'm always curious when I ask our guest mentors, like, what's what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Oh, I think let's start with one that my mom installed in me from very early on, and I think it helps both actual in your career and in your general life struggles if you have any is to always look in the mirror first before you start pointing fingers at anybody else if something goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it helped me in multiple occasions for a couple of reasons, actually. First of all, if you can identify how you contributed to an issue or problem or a situation that didn't turn out as well as you expected, you actually have control over changing that because you have almost zero control about changing somebody else's behavior. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Yeah. With yourself, you have at least an opportunity to do that. Second of all, I think what also helps when something goes wrong, people either go quiet or become a little bit defensive. And once the blame game starts, it's a lose-lose situation. So what helped me as well in conversations with my teams and my peers is once you can acknowledge the part that you did not do or (laughs) did wrong, it also helps others to come forward and say, hey, yeah, I know, but I also did that. So let's solve this together. Yeah. So... I think those two aspects are quite helpful, to be honest. I, I like how you lined it up and also a way to, to respond as well, because I think that often gets overlooked because uh, for some people, there's so much fear with a mistake. We just don't take the time to pause and think, actually, we can't control what has already happened, but we can certainly control how we respond to it. And yeah. I love the point you made about all you all it takes is one person step up and said, yeah, this is what I could have done better here. I'll own this one. We need to solve it. Anyone got any suggestions how we solve? And then you'll find other people chipping in and saying, actually, I could have probably done better as well. And you can use the word properly, folks. Now, this is another sort of tip. Is if, if I maybe disagree with someone, I'd say, you're probably right. So that makes them going away feeling better. Now, unless it's something life-threatening to an organization itself, I'll have to step in and be quite frank about it. But there's ways of, how do you say, not necessarily being confrontational over mistakes. And I love the point. And I wonder if... Maybe it affects us more in accounting and finance because we're probably tasked with trying to find variances and find things that are amiss and maybe not within control or within governance. Like definitely it's a case of making sure we look in the mirrors first at ourselves before we start pointing fingers at others. I think it's a great piece of advice. I really do. And uh, so thanks for sharing that from your mom. That's uh, She seems a very wise lady. <laughs> so, yes. Other than your mother has been a great resource of insight, would, would, are there any other resources you regularly go to or recommend our audience go check out like a book or a journal or somewhere online? I think it depends on, on, on the thing that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Be honest. It's so personal because the struggle yeah. is also personal. Is it yeah. that you want to di- diversify your career? Is it that you're just struggling to find what to do? Is it the general overload and you're just unmotivated? Or yes, it's always very personal. One thing I would say: whatever resource you do go to, if you find it useful before you go to the next one, implement at least a couple <laughs> of learnings from the previous one. Because I have found myself in situations when I would read one book after another and then the third one and the fourth one. And they all pretty much, after you get to 10, 15, you figure out that there are pretty much 10 <laughs> points yeah, just... that all make maximum 10. Yeah. What do they call it? It's like diminishing returns of scale or something. Or Yeah. It's, right. yeah it's, but, that, but, but you know why that is though? It's because we've not been implementing the learning. So therefore we've not pushed that frontier out no, but, like... but you do feel better about picking up the next one because oh god yeah we're doing something about <laughs> yeah it's a, don't confuse busyness with effectiveness yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i'm reading yeah no that's a really valid point though 
I really like that one. I have to say I'm guilty of it as well. Sometimes oh, you just, sure. yeah, I'm terrible, terrible. But I, that's why I like articles now. It's just easier. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to get to the end of the book to move on to the <laughs> next one. You can implement stuff faster. So I no, appreciate you sharing that, Diana. And if any of our audience wish to continue the conversation, where's the best place to connect with you at? I would say LinkedIn would be LinkedIn. probably the most obvious one awesome. given the nature of this conversation. Yeah, cool. So we'll put your LinkedIn URL into the show notes as well. And look, I really appreciate you investing the time with us today, Idana. But before we let you go, would you have any maybe parting thoughts to share with our audience? I don't know. It was such a wide ranging conversation. <laughs> probably what I would share or not even share, repeat. I recently listened to a podcast episode, Tim Ferriss's podcast, which I mm. do quite a lot. It was yeah. the founder of Duolingo. And the question was actually for him, which advice you would give to young professionals looking to build their careers and whatnot. And he said quite a simple, but also I think very applicable and easily implementable thing that would help quite a lot of guys and girls and everybody else. And I've seen that work in real life is just asking, how can I help? Once you're done with your day-to-day, -day, or if, even if you're not yet done, but you are looking how to contribute and bring value and just <laughs> expand your learnings and expand your job opportunities. I think that's such an easy question to ask, given that you are actually going to do the thing. <laughs> It's going gonna, it's gonna to give you a lot of ideas on what the current business you're in needs, what could be the potential learnings for you, how it can expand your career. And also, listen, people remember those employees and colleagues and peers who are always stepping up. Mm -hmm. So who knows, the next interesting project might, might come in and then you would be the person to go to instead of having to chase them afterwards trying to pitch your idea or your potential contribution. Wow. So mm. not really my thoughts. <laughs> I'm going to be very frank <laughs> about that. But it's just such a simple thing. And I'm, recently I'm trying to simplify a lot of approaches, my personal approaches to life and to jobs and careers and the roles as well. So it struck a chord with me and I thought it's worth sharing. I'm delighted you did. I, they're, they're great four simple words. What great parting thoughts to leave with our audience. So... Idana, again, thank you so much for coming on the show today, being such a great guest mentor and strengthening numbers. Sure, it was a pleasure being here. Thank you for the invitation. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. 
And when all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week, take care, and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.